0: Welcome back to another episode of the Good Advice Podcast. I hope you guys are all doing well today and you're ready to tune in to another great episode of the podcast. Uh, I'm sharing this conversation I had over Zoom with my friend Lila Smith, who is man there's no other way to put it she's a rock star when it comes to understanding how we talk about things and more importantly from a business perspective how do we really communicate our brand identity how do we really talk about the things that are important to us not just to our customers but to also the people who work for us It's an incredible conversation i absolutely love lila and i really enjoyed having this discussion with her before we dive in though don't forget we do have a word from one of the amazing businesses that we'd like to talk about on the podcast coming at you soon we'll be right back have you ever put out some content or run a new advertising campaign or tried to launch a service that you just knew had magic to it And then you were shocked to find out that no one seemed that interested in it. Maybe even felt downright depressed thinking, what is going on? Is something, did I mistype something? Did something go wrong here? There has to be a reason why people aren't latching onto this. You know, those moments where you know you have lightning in a bottle, and yet it seems like people just aren't getting it. Well, you might need to hire a marketing company that can help you take your business to the next level wanna tell you about Asality Marketing. They're the marketing company that B2B SaaS companies can count on, and they help them grow faster with bold sales and marketing processes that actually work. See, it's not about creating content and then praying that please, 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 please let me have a sale today. It's about trusting a business that's actually different because they have over 10 years of hands-on experience working with B2B companies. And remember, it's the outcomes that count. The results speak for themselves. That's why I trust Accelity Marketing. Go to ExcelityMarketing.com to find out more. Lila, thanks so much for being on the show.
1: Thank you for having me. And thank you for that warm introduction to episode, The Best One.
0: Yeah. (laughs)
1: Starring Blake Fins and Lila Smith.
0: Well, and just for our listeners, I I'm so grateful for Lila's time because we were talking about we were talking a little bit and I was learning a little bit about what she does and I was like oh my gosh I have to get her on the show and then <laughs> Lila you were telling me that you're going to be traveling over the next few weeks and I was like okay well then we got yeah. to we got to just get you in now and so well the
1: first place I'm traveling is Charlotte and I'm going to be speaking with um, a bunch of other people that some people on LinkedIn know um, but including Kristen Sherry whose episode was incredible. Like your episode with Kristen, the pace was so good. And anybody listening to this one has to go back and listen to that one too, so that you have a little match set. That's how I met you was listening to that episode. I was like, who's this guy? He's perfect.
0: (laughs) Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Well, (laughs) if only my wife thought so. I'm just kidding. She does.
1: You send her my way. I'll I'll coach her Okay. all the things that are great about you. I'll explain to her what's in your UMAP.
0: What's great about her is she's like the most incredible, you know, I feel like for any business you do, you have to have people in your corner who are just, just, you know, amazing fans of your work. And naturally, you know, you want your customers to be those people too, but it really helps to have that person who's close, who knows you well. And who's like, man, you can do it, you know, get out of the mud and get back in there. And so grateful for her. I had to move to
1: Dallas to be around people like that for myself. I mean, in person, you know, Um, and that's not to say, and so my dad has like come around, you know, even though it meant leaving New York to be in a place where I could really launch my business where people wanted what I had to offer more than they did when I was in New York, which is where I'm from but you know it was it was rough like finding the right kind of responses that would fuel me to keep me going so i really get that
0: so let's 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 start with that actually cuz i think that's okay. i think that's a really empowering potential point of conversation in that i i you and i both probably talked to plenty of business owners entrepreneurs who you know and it's kind of funny because you know, it's, well, here's how I think of it. It's like you talk to the, the brand new entrepreneur and they're very much wide-eyed and like, this is going to be amazing. And it is, but then it's like, oh wow, this is actually a lot harder and I, this actually isn't an overnight success story. Oh, it's story. the, it's the yeah.
1: most wonderful, terrible
0: thing. <laughs> so, so let's let's just start with your journey a little bit because I really okay, and, and for our listeners, you know, our listeners who they've listened to multiple episodes, they know that part of my style is just we just got to be as authentic as possible. And so, for the listeners. Yeah. I have to let you know, you're going to be really excited to listen to Lila because literally in the first five minutes, I was like, this is really an authentic, genuine person. And so I want to dive into your story a little bit, Lila, and I want to hear about what, what got you into what you're doing now. And especially that's, cause that's a big shift to, okay, I'm going to leave New York city, which a lot of people are trying to go to New York city and I'm going to go to Dallas. Mm-hmm. I, I want to understand that a little bit better. So let's, you know, wherever you want to start in sure. story. Let's let's well, go back a little bit.
1: I guess let's start with just like the fact that I love what you said about within the first five minutes, you knew who I was. You knew, you know, not all the details, but you had an idea of what it would feel like to spend time with me mm-hmm. for longer than that five minute period of time. And that's the most important part of personal brand is what it feels like to be in your presence. Mm. Whether that's your messaging and it's the words that you use or it's the colors that you employ in your branding and your logo, or it's just the way that you talk to people and what you share and what you don't. People leave with a feeling, you know, I, I bet you couldn't verbatim quote back to me what we talked about because there was so much value in that, in that phone call. And there's so much, what do, what do you call it? An exchange of
0: it's, something. It's, it's your exchange of your belief structure. It's, yes. It's,
1: exchange of belief structure. So yeah. we had like a lot of that kind of zipping about between the two of us. But in that five minutes that we had that conversation, we got to know what each other would feel like as people. And that is the most important part of personal brand. It's mm. the most important part of what people feel when they spend time with me as friends, mm. as partners, as family. And that doesn't just happen by accident. Mm. That's intentional communication. Well, That's and, me deciding to connect.
0: And if and and now I'm I just... That's such an insightful comment. I even want to pause like on your story and I want to dive into that just for a second. Because I, I feel like listeners, I think people would hear that and they'd be like, Yeah, totally. And 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 everyone can think of that person in their life who they had that connection with, who it seemed like that person had clarity around their personal brand. But I know I have even listeners now who are they heard everything you just said, and it seems like this gargantuan task of how do, how do I yeah. create clarity around my brand and then, and then communicate it? I mean, obviously they just need to hire you, but, but yes, that's what they need to do.
1: <laughs> that's but, the best but how, advice.
0: how can they, how can they discover their, their personal brand and then communicate it in a way that's like, wow. And, and customers can hear it and say, man, I'm bought into that. I want to be, I want to be a part of that.
1: You know what? Like the words are important, but your understanding of why you need to share them is more important. Hmm. So find the thing that you're passionate about, find the thing that you're always responding to, that you're the fastest one, like that, that no matter who you are, even if you're someone who's shy to raise your hand in class, that you're the first one with your hand up about this thing, Hmm. whatever that thing is that you're like, Oh, I got this. That is a good start. So that's the stuff that you have knowledge about. And also check your feelings, check what you feel really connected to. Maybe you're not raising your hand to share information, but you're really emphatically nodding your head because you just know that this is aligned with you and your heart and where you feel you belong in the world. So those two things, the knowledge that you can share that you're really excited to share and the feelings that you connect to an idea, a thought, a movement, and just an emotional place, and you want to share that and bring other people into that too. That's really all you need to know before you start putting words to it. You just mm. have to know like, where that is for you. That's different for everybody. And that doesn't mean you have to become an entrepreneur in order to have a personal brand or have things that you know are unique to you. You can be anybody who just decides that you have a message that you want to share.
0: That's powerful. That's, that's, it's powerful to walk in the clarity of this is my brand and this is what I stand for. And this is Mm -hmm. what my, even to say like, this is what my purpose is, you know, everything that you're saying is, I think if someone can grab on to just a a portion of that, they can live more meaningful lives because they're, they're walking out of, out of a clarity of impact. This is why I exist. This is why I matter. Clarity of
1: impact. I love these phrases. I hope that you'll put those words somewhere, (laughs) like hashtag um, exchange of belief structures, hashtag clarity of impact. I love your words. Well where do your words come from? Because you know you have a lot of them. Have you done your UMAP yet? Do you know if communication is one of your strengths? Well,
0: well I've been really I've been really I bet it is. Well I've been really blessed to have really incredible opportunities growing up where that have positioned me in front of people. And so even at a young age I had opportunities where I was in front of people speaking and then I'd have mentors who would come alongside me and say, "Okay, don't say it that way, or don't do it this way," or and it was even less. It was even less like coaching in terms of because um, I don't. I don't consider myself like an eloquent speaker. It was more really? of you not, are not, not really. I mean, I I you know I um a lot, I guess, but so you know. <laughs> um, so <laughs> yeah. Well, so e- even thinking back to those people in my life, they were really good about centering me on. Who I am and my message, and I think that's what's enabled me to be a communicator. Is I am such, and I think I even wouldn't call myself a communicator. I'd call myself a connector. And so when I talk to mm. someone, this this is like the most hokey cheesy example I can think of, but it's literally what I have okay, in my I'm here mind. For it.
1: I'm here for it. I love cheese.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> so what I envision is I envision like my heart in the sense of everything I stand for, my values, my beliefs, whatever. And when I meet someone, I envision. This is so silly as I'm saying it, but I envision their heart. I'm thinking like, I almost like envision like drawing a string from mine to theirs and thinking, okay, how do mm. I, how do I make a real connection with this person? And so, yeah, and it's also what makes people uncomfortable sometimes because especially in really, so I used to work a lot in corporations Mm-hmm. Especially in very professional environments where people are used to having sort of the uh, facade or like the veneer of their title or position, and then to have me who's trying to really peel back that layer because I'm trying to really oh, figure out. You know,
1: people who are really title aligned, like that, mm-hmm. they're like, "Oh, that's who I am." Right. If you if you are if you feel like that's not enough for you, that's very threatening to some people because they often don't know who they are. So if it looks like you're trying to connect to that person, that who they are, and they don't know who that is. That can be very threatening. Right. So that's why, like that facade, is very protective for some people. Right. They connect I- to others like who only also identify title to title.
0: Exactly. Exactly. And you know, I, and I, it's, and I love the way you worded that because it's not out of, it's rarely out of like malintent where the person is right. just, they're just egocentric. Sometimes it is, but but often it's yeah, exactly. Sometimes it is. It's exactly what you said. I just don't have clarity around who I am. Yeah. And so all I have to go by is this title that's part of my identity. I'm a senior vice president and that's, that is part of who I am. And it's the people where you see, you see it go to a point of ridiculousness. And I mentioned this on the phone of someone who introduces themselves by their title before even their name.
1: Oh, have you talked to your listeners so, about that before? Can I don't, you tell I the story of what happened? Because this is appalling to me
0: well it's 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 kind of what pushed me out of my last company meaning it's it was kind of the breaking point where i said you know what i think i want to work somewhere else was i was at this corporate event with this really well known company it's a, it's an international company and i was saying hello to everybody and i went up to one person and said hey i'm Blake it's great to meet you and he said hey i'm the senior vice president of and he mentioned his division and i kind of <laughs> laughed internally and i said okay well, what's your name and he and he goes, "Oh yeah, sorry, I'm so and so,
1: oh my and God, that's so sad. I just like, yeah, well, weep for him. I'm so sad for that guy
0: and and, and you just know it's
1: because it wasn't his instinct, not that he doesn't know his name, obviously, but that mm-hmm. it wasn't his instinct to lead with his own value first, mm-hmm. you know, and then say. And the way that that manifests is as senior right. VP of whatever.
0: Well, your, your clarity around your identity has to really come from something internal rather than external, yeah. because let's say yes. tomorrow he loses the job. And that's oh what, God. that's he would be who, destroyed exactly, because that's what his, his soul clings to is I am an SVP and that's who I am. And so now when I don't have that, it's, it's the same thing as like a major athlete who has an ACL tear. And never gets back into the sport. It's that's who I was. Who am I now without that? And that's why it has to start inward.
1: I've talked with athletes. uh, You know, funny that you mentioned it. And I'm actually going to speak at the Dallas Mavericks organization on August seventh. I'm not sure when this will air, so this will either be after or before that. But the organization that I'm going to, I'm doing one of my Verb Your Values workshops for them. This is the simplest like two minutes that'll change your life. <laughs> I'll do it here with you on this podcast yeah. so that your viewers can hear it too. But I'm going to talk to them about athletes and people who support them. And all of that kind of stuff can come and go so quickly that if you don't know who you are outside of a team identity, if your fans don't know who you are outside of that team, then they don't know how to root for you when you're traded. They don't know how to root for you after you've had an injury. Right. And that's the same thing with like an SVP. If you leave that company, people still need to know how to root for you. Mm-hmm. They know, they need to know how to connect you to others. Mm-hmm. They need to know where to mention you, where to tag you on social media, what kind of opportunities mm-hmm. to send your way. And it's your responsibility to know those things first so that you can empower them to do that.
0: Absolutely. Well, and it's, 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 I love how you phrase that too, because it's what's, what's so crazy about this is sometimes I'll sit down with people and I'll ask them, especially like in uh, initial conversations, I'll ask the question that's something like, who are you? Who is this person that I'm talking to? And they'll name off, you know, a title, position, or they'll say something like a really common one I hear is the first line is, oh, well, I've been in the, you know, uh, retail industry for 30 years. Mm -hmm. And I say, okay, yeah, yeah. But that doesn't mean anything to me.
1: Oh, you know, I was an actor my whole life. And being around actors, gosh, like I had forgotten until just now, until what you said sparked this in me. But being around actors for so long, you would say, Hey, I'm Lila. Nice to meet you. You know, and they'd be like, Hey, I'm, you know, Blake Benz. And I um, just finished doing the national tour of Fiddler on the Roof, you know, directed by Sammy Dallas Bays. And I'd be <laughs> like, Oh, I've worked with Sammy Dallas Bays on eight different shows in Odeonta. Yeah. And then we would go back and forth like about, okay, who do you know from this thing? Who do you know from that thing? And it's really about like, let's understand where we already sit in each other's networks.
0: Right. And
1: then we'll understand like contextually what the social structure is, what kind of roles we might've played. Are we in competition for the same roles Mm. and you're sizing each other up? It's posturing. You know, it is. Oh, and if you go to LA, Mm. forget it. Like good luck connecting within the first five minutes. And you know, one of those like people in film, you know, (laughs) like I love those people. um, But it takes a while for them to drop what you were calling the facade before. Mm. In general, you know, this isn't like about any one particular person, but in general, people who feel actors, you know, people who are performers, people who are models or athletes, they get paid on a brand, they get paid Mm -hmm. on what they look like, on what they sound like on what their last job was on what its reviews were on their performance on their their metrics, like for their performance on court, you know, if you're a basketball player or something. And so you're only as valuable as your last, whatever picture in OK magazine. And was it, was it cute or not? (laughs) And so everything can shift after that. The stakes are so high. It leaves out a lot of personal brand. So in social media, some of the celebrities that I really enjoy following the most are like, Jennifer Garner, cause she will get real and like show you how she makes oatmeal. <laughs> and that connects me to her and it makes me want to see her movies regardless of what the movies are. I'm like, you know what, I like her. Uh-huh. I know what she'll show up as on screen uh-huh. because I know what she is as a person. And that's what people don't know about acting too is that we're bringing reality to the stage or to the screen. It's just somebody else's words but we're bringing ourselves on yes. purpose.
0: Yeah, well, and it feels like there's it feels like there's a line to straddle there somewhere where, you know, obviously on on like one side you have you have the full fully embraced person around their title and position and that's their identity that's where they find their credibility that's where they have their sense of progress professionally of uh, if I mm-hmm. if I meet you and I don't get to say these qualifiers then maybe you won't find me credible so you have that on sense one of end. progress
1: I have to call it I'm, I'm gonna start. <laughs> Hashtagging everything sure. that you say that is articulate. So that the next time you say, I don't consider myself an articulate person, I'm gonna be like <laughs> hashtag sense of progress.
0: Like, yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> there you go. So you have you have that on one side. On the other side, and this is where this is where I have fallen sometimes to my own detriment, where you meet someone, you say, Hey, I'm Blake. And they said, what do you do? And I'm like, ah, oh, nothing. I just really, I work with some people. And it's, and you undersell yourself. And that's, yeah. and that's probably where I go to a fault where I need to be. Really? Bit, I, I think so. I mean, I've had people point out, you know, you really, you undersold yourself there. And it's because I, part of it comes out of the PTSD of working with so many people on this, this, let me tell you my title first. So I've swung so yeah. far the other way. What's, I mean, where is that middle ground? It feels like there's, you well, what are you be, proud of? Me personally?
1: Yeah. Like if I, if instead of saying like, hey, Blake, what do you do? My question was, hey, Blake, what are you proud of? I like How do you that. answer that? How do you answer that?
0: Uh, well, actually you can't see it, but to the left of the screen, I have some letters that are framed on the wall and they're from people who I've worked with. And actually most of them are when I was, I was actually a high school teacher. And so most of them are letters from my students. And so on the days that I feel, you know, that I'm totally worthless or not doing something beneficial, that's, that's the fuel for me is that's, but the, you're
1: not like only teaching high school. Now you right. have other things that you're doing too, that are of value. So what I would encourage you to do is look at those letters and see what the common thread is, because hmm. that's you. What right. are they all saying? Um, what kind of teacher are you? What are they, what do your students mostly say is awesome about you?
0: Right. Well, I, I was, you know, it's so funny because I didn't even, at the time, I didn't even care the subject. I was a science teacher, but all I really cared about was, so I was working in downtown Houston and it was mm-hmm. a really challenging school. It was on the brink of being closed down and it was like the sixth largest district in the country. And all all I cared about was that these kids who a lot of them had full-time jobs themselves because they were actually the breadwinners of their families. I, I just cared that they had someone in their corner it was really what I cared about. And now, now that I work with business owners, it's kind of the same philosophy as I want that person to know I'm in their corner and it's not always like kittens and rainbows. Sometimes it's really challenging, hard conversations because in my mind, it's a little bit of the ends justify the means, meaning it's, it's better for me to be honest and direct with you to help you move forward than to, um just tell you something encouraging right so some okay. people get some people get misaligned with what I do in the sense of like oh you must be like a life coach or you must be a really professional encourager and it's like no we get really nitty gritty but but the the heart behind that is and i had a mentor when i was young who he said his purpose in life was to hold the ladder for other people to climb up you know instead of you yourself mm-hmm. always climbing the ladder what does it look like to hold the ladder so someone else can climb up it and so i've so st- stolen that for myself
1: so you're using some, some things that are bringing up verbs in me, and verbs are part of what I do when I define a brand or give it to somebody or help them work through that. It sounds like, here, here, my first, you know, my three verbs that define who I am and what you're going to feel as a result of communicating with me are to affirm, to connect, and to empower. And two of the verbs that stood out for me in your communication, whether you said them directly or not, are to champion, and to mentor. So you will be that champion for those kids. You'll be that champion for business owners, for entrepreneurs. You'll be the champion for really anybody. And you've probably always been that way your whole life. So to champion so. <laughs> and to mentor, like if you introduce yourself and say, hey, I'm Blake Bins and I'm a champion of others, you know, a championer of others and a mentor to those who really wanna go farther. Hmm. I mean, even just as like a first draft of something, put a pin in that and see what information you have that backs that up. So if you look at all of those different letters, they're all going to talk about how in some way they felt you had their back. Right. And all of your podcast guests are going to say the same thing. I've witnessed it, I'm feeling it already. And and in our conversation before this too, just to give some transparency and, and like a light on stuff that people don't see behind the background, behind the scenes of podcasts. Here are some things that Blake said to me about being a guest. He said, if you feel that there's something you want to talk about that would highlight you or your skills or your upcoming events more, please feel free to steer the conversation in that direction. Already, you know, championing me and also, you know, telling me that I had the right to do that. And at the same time, mentoring me, you know, and showing me that I didn't have to just accept the conversation as it was if I felt that something could be more beneficial for me um also giving me the ability and the rights to take any recorded bits of this uh, without having to contact him first and download little sound bites of myself and use them for promotion without even having to credit him. so again to mentor behind the scenes and those are some things that I'm calling out about you because you're never going to say that stuff publicly about yourself but those are things that are part of your brand that show up in your behavior. So if you look, if you take inventory of how you go through an entire day, you are a championer of others, a mentor of others. And there's one final thing, you know, we'll figure it out, but everybody gets three verbs. So those are, those things are true of you to me. Hmm. Does that sound right to you? Does that sound like who you are?
0: It does. And I'm actually, as I was listening, I was like, first of all, I was thinking, wow, I really like Lila. I really appreciate you. The second Thanks. thing, I, I was just thinking like, I think what's so amazing about the people I get to have on the show is someone like yourself, you come on the episode, and it's amazing how easy it is for you to work out of the magic of who you are and like your your skill set and your expertise and I think what's really exciting for our listeners is to hear how you you literally what you do for a living you just did with me, and it yeah. only it only took a few minutes. Of your intuition taking control and saying, you know what, this is what I've already gathered about Blake. And so I can tell that what you do for a living is something that really benefits people and that you're making your impact every single day. Thank you. What I want to do is is I want to go back to the original question before I totally sidetracked us. (laughs) I, I see the person who's in front of me today, and you're amazing, and you're obviously very gifted, and you're obviously making a big difference. I what I always try to do for people, especially entrepreneurs who listen to the podcast who they can't necessarily envision themselves down the road as that successful person. They just see themselves. And, you know, we're our biggest critics of ourselves, but they they see themselves as they are. And I always try to connect people with who they could become by bringing people on the show and unpacking. Okay. Before, before there was Lila Smith say things better, who were you? Let's hear a little bit about the story.
1: Okay. So, you know, first I'll just, I, I will tell the story, but I'm listening to you, thinking about these entrepreneurs who think about all of these people that that they see as so successful in front of them. And sure, you know, I, I get paid a lot for what I do. I'm really good at what I do, so I charge for it. And I work with you know individuals, but I also work with some bigger organizations. So I understand that that looks like a lot of success on the surface, and to somebody else who says that's what I want for myself. But one thing to to realize is. We never, ever, those of us who are really, truly trying to achieve great, big, giant things are never satisfied, are never feeling like I've got this completely, and are never at a place where we don't look at somebody who's ahead of us and say, I'm going to learn from that person too. So your feeling of discomfort now, get used to that because that's not going to go away just by learning how someone else is successful. And that's the other thing is that you're going to be successful your way. Mm. If you want UMAP coaching, get some, get Kristen Sherry's book. I offer UMAP coaching. If you go to bit.ly, um, uh, it's UMAP Lila Smith with capital Y, capital M, capital L, capital S, all proper case, bit.ly, UMAP Lila Smith. Uh, You can get a full UMAP report and then reach out to me if you want coaching on that. I'll help you tell you yourself like exactly who you are with that, but you, you are going to be successful your way. Mm. One of the things that's, you know, important to note is I have communication as my number one driving strength. So putting things into words does come easily for me. So it makes sense that this would be work that I do. If you want to be a messaging coach or consultant, and that doesn't come easily to you, maybe don't do that because you're just going to feel like a failure mm. if it's not your strength or you'll get bored of it or you'll check out and you'll think god i really want to be a business owner but why can't i be a messaging consultant too like i always you know have ideas but ideation is not the same thing as message creation and that is an important distinction mm-hmm. if you're looking at where i've come from it does make sense that i've ended up here now so i'll share the story but think about where you are and where you've already been. The parts of your life story are going to be the things that show you in the future why they existed way later. You know, the everything happens for a reason, the connecting the dots, your life story, your UMAP, your strengths, your values, your skills, and how you're wired. These are the things that are going to make you successful how you're going to be successful. So my story is from, you know, like a very, very young age, um, pre-birth, I was feet first, you know, standing upright and ready to come out of my mother and start dancing. And I was delivered two weeks early and I was like feet first. So they had to perform a cesarean section. They tried what they could to move me around. And I was like, no, (laughs) this is how it's going to be. I'll show you what the rules will be. Like super low compliance from pre-day one. And my behavioral type, for those of you who are DISC certified or have gone through those assessments too, I was always the one to say, "I'll tell you what the rules are going to be," <laughs> and then get everyone on the page, like on my page with that. Mm-hmm. So even from pre-birth, ready to dance, ready right now, on a roll, momentum. And I was born into a world where creativity and equality and um, journeying through many, many different conversations, and diversity were values that were included in the fabric of our everyday life because I was born in New York City. And you walk around in New York, even as a baby, you can't help but see other people. And I was looking at them and knowing their stories, whether I knew them or not, I would make them up for myself in my head. Even as a little kid, I would play a game. Who's that person? And start thinking about it. Start thinking about what I would connect to and what I wouldn't, what would be the same and what would be different. And so it was kind of a natural fit for me to become an actress. I also am like this, like this is my personality. Uh, so it kind of made sense. And my parents put me in uh, theater camps. I went to a high school where we didn't even have competitive team sports. We were an art school. So I did theater at Edward R. Murrow high School. And I was in the player circle, which is very prestigious, and had to audition to get into musicals and plays went to college for theater and then started performing professionally for 10 years. So I had gone through, you know, all of this training, like, and and even through when you're working professionally as an actor, you're constantly still in classes and developing yourself, developing your skills and your training. So I've trained in all different theater methods and I took it really seriously and I loved it. I loved that before you get to rehearsal, you open a script and you learn who that character is. All of these stories that I had always looked around and seen in other people and made up in my head, now somebody else had told me what the story was, and not even in all of the words, but in how many words they used. How long were their sentences when they would talk? What kind of language would they use? What do other characters in the play, in a script, say about my character? What did the stage direction say? Does it say she storms off stage? Does it say she slammed the door? Does it say um, pensive? Does it say, you know, quietly considers what he has just said? Uh, What does it talk about that she wears? What are the show notes? So all of this stuff is dramaturgical research. So understanding the character, but also understanding the world of that play. So I know I grew up in New York City, but I would always imagine people in India where they were from or uh, in Jamaica, or in their apartment building instead of mine, or in a house out on Long Island, you meet all different kinds of people. And I was gathering and understanding their stories my whole life. Then having the tools to do this intentionally through theater, I loved this part so much. And it makes sense then that I continue to tell people's stories. I continue now to recognize what's individual about someone and what's special about their life story and just keep sharing those things and keep calling them out, calling out the things that are useful from a script, calling out the things that are useful from your history that show you who you are and what to talk about. So that's kind of like how that part of me happened. The other side of me is that I've always kind of wanted... um, to use my, to use my brain in a way that would be influential. And that means managing other people. It has meant creating branded communications for customer facing roles, like even customer service templates, you know, for companies that I've worked for before training people who are going to represent a company. And it's explained in my UMAP that my career interest type is called the performer, but that doesn't just mean acting. It means artistic, and enterprising. I'm a creator, but I want to use what I've created to create something influential, create something that's going to empower others in some way. So I created Say Things Better after already creating a lot of other impact in people's lives by managing them, putting them on paths that would mean you know success for them, how they're going to be successful. And it's meant a lot of different things in this mainstream world where I also had a role So I was an actress full-time and the last job job that I had was as a director of e-commerce and communication for a footwear company. So I've done completely normal things and I've been an actress. And in e-commerce, looking at things from a product perspective helped me to develop my toolbox discovery, which is part of Say Things Better Coaching, where I do look at every single skew that goes into the order of who you are. So Mm -hmm. if I'm ordering one brand new Blake bins, I'm saying, okay, what do I need to create that one? I need to champion. I need to mentor. Like those are things that are part of you. Mm -hmm. I'd look at your history. I'd look at things that you've always done. Well, I've look. I would look at the impact that you've made on other people and I would try to categorize it and name it because once you name something, you can repeat it. Mm -hmm. You can make it a brand pillar. You can make it a brand promise and you can make it something intentional that you'll include in what you offer to the world. So that's kind of my backstory and where I am now, what well, about you, you?
0: Well, you know, before we, and it's so funny cause I, <laughs> I'm going to keep trying to throw it back to you, but I, cause okay. my listeners hear they hear everything about me all the time anyway. And so,
1: well, I'm going to um, ask weird questions <laughs> that they haven't heard before. Well,
0: yeah, I'm interested just, in you. Now you're grilling yeah. me. Yeah. yeah. I, I do want to ask you cause it, you talk with so much, you just exude confidence and it's, it's obvious. Uh-huh. I don't think it takes much to see how, um, quality how how much quality you bring to the table in terms of what you do take me back to like was there a was that always you or was there a moment when you said especially like maybe the day you first came up with say things better was there like the flipping of a switch where you were like oh yeah I could I could I mean kind of like what, what was that day there
1: was a moment um and those people who know me on LinkedIn might also know who I'm talking about in this story so there was, there's a recruiter who focuses on um, like CPAs, accounting, financial services, and his name is Adam Karpiak. He is one of the funniest people that you'll ever meet on LinkedIn, but he also will give it to you straight. Like He'll tell you if you are applying for a position like that you know, don't send like a bag of feathers just to stand out. You know, um, (laughs) it won't go through an ATS system any better. And you do actually have to pre-qualify candidates. Like he'll tell you the real stuff. But he's so funny. And I connected with him really early in my LinkedIn journey. So my LinkedIn journey is also part of my story. I started using LinkedIn June 1st, 2017, really intentionally so actually it was the day before that, but I had set myself a goal for that whole month of June to spend 15 minutes a day on LinkedIn, just commenting, looking at things, sending messages instead of going right to Facebook first. I thought maybe a different kind of connection would bring out something different in me to take me out of a place where I felt stuck, where I'm, I'm guessing some of your listeners currently feel like, how are they ever going to move from where they are to where they don't even know they can go? And that was that month for me, June, 2017, Adam was the first people that I connected to uh, as like a person, person, not just somebody that I'd worked with before, but somebody who was a content creator who was somewhere else in the world. And he wasn't that far from me, but we had not met. We were friends and like had been messaging back and forth for like a week or two, which is like camp time, you know, (laughs) and LinkedIn time. This is like, you know, the feeling of months, of friendship and connection. So we were talking about Adam Karpiak and I were talking about headshots and what people would choose as their headshot on LinkedIn people with sunglasses on, like, I can't tell who you are other than that you probably think you're too cool for school (laughs) if you have sunglasses on your profile photo. So I just ignore those requests. And then, you know, people in bikinis or people leaning on cars or people in a group of seven people. And we don't know which one is you. We don't know you yet. So like just how totally blasé people are about the image that they choose to represent their brand on On LinkedIn. And this is a professional networking platform. And I said, you know what? Reminds me of when I was in theater and we would have to use really good headshots all the time so that the second that a casting director would pick it up, they would know the the exact like next 20 roles that they could envision us playing. And it was so important to have that visual brand. So I had like brought this up and, and Adam said, yeah, that's a good point. But like, what do you know about that? And I was like, well, you know, when I was acting and he was like, wait, hold up. What do you mean when you were an actress? Like, you're not an actress, you work in e-commerce. And I had this like, oh my God, he doesn't know who I am moment, like a crisis of consciousness and of identity. And I realized he didn't know who I was because I hadn't told him, mm. you know, I hadn't been Sharing that part of me, part of it. What I think was probably just knowing that he was a recruiter and thinking that it would make him not take me seriously, if he knew. Mm. Like, it, and that was something that I'd kind of been hiding in my time on LinkedIn because I wasn't really happy where I was. I felt unfulfilled. I didn't know what to do next other than maybe going to a bigger company or selling something online that I was more passionate about. You know, working with a different kind of product in, in a different company, but it wasn't it. It was just. I hadn't put the pieces of myself together yet. I didn't really get what I brought to the table. I was doing all these things. I was in some way connecting to other people and their stories. I was in some way giving them a path to move forward. But I didn't realize how closely connected it was, my behavior, those actions, those parts of my job to my main values, the things that have always been true of me and what I wanted to experience in my life. So I had to put that together over some time. And it took that moment of, I guess this is important to me. Mm. It, I am, I felt like so shaken and so distraught that this person that I felt I was getting close to didn't know who I was at all. And so I guessed it was probably a pretty strong part of my identity that I hadn't put a name to yet. It was really important for me to to discover that and to have that moment. So immediately following that, I went and created a post, um, I think it was one of my very early ones, about what theater people and uh, military veterans had in common and why they were both very hireable. And still, you know, not creating anything from it, but starting to talk about it, starting to talk about this thing that made me different instead of hiding it. So often, the things that we feel shame about, the things that we are worried about getting found out about, are the things that are our superpowers that make our message something that someone else will hear better from us than they would from someone else. Mm. And those are the things that I try to pull out of my clients. Those things that are your success stories from your heart, the things that are your true identity, like the Clark Kent, the Superman, you know, like you're both of those people at the same time. Just because you put on glasses and go into an office doesn't mean that you're not also saving lives. And just because you fly around with a cape creating, you know, incredible like deeds of daring do doesn't mean that you're not also making an impact at an office where people count on you as a reporter. So whatever it is that you are, you are one person, but people count on you. If you're Superman, that's your personal brand. People mm-hmm. know they can count on you.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, and I, I, your story is pretty amazing because it, it's... People, and I was talking to someone uh, maybe about a month ago and she was talking about how she, she feels so much joy. She's a physical therapist and she feels so much Mm -hmm. joy about her job today that she didn't feel maybe five years ago because as people, when we talk about impact or making a difference, we tend to think in terms of like these orders of magnitude of, I don't know, being on stage with like 10,000 people and like if, if there aren't 10,000 people, if we're at, you know, Nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine i 've somehow missed my calling in life, mm. and i think I think what you 're speaking to that also resonates with this person 's story is she would talk about now she comes into her job and there 's that one person that she has the power to connect with and, mm-hmm. and to impart into and make a difference in and it it kind of frames your perspective on life a little bit differently when you realize. Yeah there are people in my life today, not 10 years from now, today that are in front of me who I can have a legitimate positive influence yes. on. And and the greatest shame would be two things. It would be missing those people because it's not mm-hmm. big enough in your mind. And right. I, I love what you said of, of sort of the things we're ashamed of and how we discount our own unique, and I think Kristen actually said something similar on her podcast episode mm-hmm. where there's things that are so intrinsically mundane to us because they come natural to us, right? but there's such a bright gifting to other people. right? And if we don't nurture that and cherish that, then we miss out on the opportunity to really impact someone else positively.
1: Absolutely. So. Uh, brought us Palmer, who's a client and friend of mine, and I've, I've checked with him about this to see if it would be okay to share. And he's approved this message. So, (laughs) Broadus Palmer said to me the other morning, "You know, you probably don't realize this because you just said all that like it's nothing, but that was life-changing information for me. Do you realize the value that you bring it?" And I was like, "Actually, I guess I don't." You know, like it. He kind of stopped me in my breath for a second, and I was like, "Okay, what?" What was it? And then I went back into that inventory mode of the same way I created Say Things Better to see like, okay, what is it about my communication that's connective? I went back into this conversation to skew it out, to see what are the elements of this conversation that were life-changing to him? Because if I can create that kind of impact for him, then I can repeat it. I can create it for another person. I can intentionally bring that back to future conversations with him. To continue our coaching, or I can also create a program about it that does communicate it at scale. Mm. But speaking of scale, and speaking of you know who we want to impact and how big it has to be to be important and fulfilling, if you look at your own strengths and your own values, these things will tell you how you will be comfortable or confident in the world if you if you create an impact for many or for a few. Some people, in seeking creating an impact for many, miss out, as you were saying, on that impact for the few, where that might be the very thing that makes them feel fulfilled. People with a relator strength or developer strength, these are relating-themed strengths, and what they mean are, you know, relators really develop one-on-one close connections that are meaningful in their relationships. Developers identify small bits of progress and celebrate them as big in the people that they are in some way helping or mentoring. And they take their time and they invest in people, individuals. You can invest in a community too, but these are relating themes. These are how we build relationships in life. The things that are really important to us. So if you have a lot of relating theme strengths, then it might be about making those personal connections. I have two in my top five. Hmm. I also have two influencing theme strengths. One of them is communication and the other is woo, winning others over, which explains why we connected in five minutes and I was an open book and I was like, here I am. Uh (laughs) And why I walk into a room and people notice. I walk into a room and can immediately connect with 10,000 people who are watching me speak. that could be in content or in an auditorium, a theater. And that's part of who I am and what I'm built like. So I need both but not everybody will. And some people won't need a lot of those really deep, close connections. Some people will just need to go like a whirlwind through the world collecting experiences and collecting impact. We're all wired differently and each way that we are wired is valid. Each way a person comes and shows up in the world is valid. Mm. So don't judge yourself for not making the impact that somebody else needs. If you don't really need to make it that way.
0: Well, it's, it's, and you already said this, but it's basically, it's understanding how do your talents fit in the world and what a shame it would be to discount what you bring to the table because it's just like you said, it doesn't look like someone else's success or the way someone else has approached it. And I think especially this, this feels like this is also very true in leadership where I see, people come into management and their management Mm -hmm. style is totally predicated on the boss they had. Exactly. And Mm so, so the way that becomes dangerous is when you have someone who comes into management and they're like, actually, I, I worked with the guy, he actually ended up getting fired because he just could not, he couldn't mentally shift, but he just always envisioned leadership as uh, sort of like that old guard, I tell you what to do, you work for mm-hmm. me. And that's frankly how, that's what he had grown up in. It's what, that was in his mind, that was the DNA of leadership. And right. because he couldn't separate from how he perceived other people should do this, it, it ended up costing him influence. It cost him the influence of his team. Yes. It cost him the impact he could have made because, I mean, very plainly, he he got let go. He had to move on. He you know, part of his journey was interrupted because of his inability to separate that. And I don't say that Mm -hmm. out of like a shame on him way. It's more of a, you know, it takes a lot to really self-assess and understand, am I approaching this from my unique giftings or am I just trying to mimic what I've seen other people do?
1: Yeah. Oh, I want to shout out a friend here. Steve Sullivan is a certified UMAP coach also. He's building UMAP into a leadership development program. And he, he is a leadership coach himself. He's been in various positions of leadership and he's specializing in IT leaders in the healthcare space and developing their person-to-person leadership style using their UMAPs. So it's exactly what we're talking about, but in like, especially in that niche, although I think he's working with leaders of all kinds across industries, but it's, it's really fascinating to me how many people are using UMAP in different ways. We're all, you know, Shar Auckland is a UMAP health coach developing programs for people, including myself that say, oh, here are your wellness goals. Well, here's how you're going to achieve them and how that's different than somebody else. Mm -hmm. And Steve with leadership and myself with communication and personal branding and that we're all using this one thing very differently. And it's just another way that that shows up, that Mm -hmm. we each have our own different something. Mm-hmm. And it's important that even if it's the same idea, we give ourselves the empowerment to speak to it, to mm-hmm. add voice and add our context.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I have a different perspective because I have a theater background.
0: Well, and it's, it's, it's understanding that different isn't bad. And I think yeah. people, I think this is what caused me to cling to Kristen's content so well is because... When I was doing corporate coaching and like even large group, like team wide coaching, one of the most incredible things was in my mind, I would be talking about like the most insightful thing, and people would be moderately, they'd be like, oh, yeah, that's great. And but the moment I shifted to personality, let's talk about personality, let's talk about your perception, you know, how you view the world, and especially what it looks like working with one another, the room would just light up and people would suddenly just seeing the light bulbs that people were having of I even had a person one time who she was I didn't know this but she was having conflict with someone else on the team and as they discovered that they viewed the world world very differently and they were bringing different backgrounds she goes oh my gosh you don't hate me and the other person was like oh I didn't even know you thought that I I didn't even know you thought that way, Wow! but it was, it was, yeah, what a
1: magical moment. And
0: I think it's why Kristen's work is so powerful is you're, especially in the world of management, you're understanding how very little it has to do with like, um, I don't even know the word for it. My, how I, uh position my leadership so to speak and it's Your all leadership the, brand yeah yeah and it's mm-hmm. what's well, it's so much more about okay how do I help people understand what they're bringing to the table their own mm-hmm. perspectives and then how do we interlock that with other people who are on the team how do we make all of us be in alignment with one another where you know it's not that you hate me you just you have a you're a you have a direct philosophy you have a, a more assertive personality yeah. or what have you, you know
1: um it, this is a good time to play the verb your values game because that person the one who somehow made somebody else feel that they hated them when it wasn't true at all it, that person could have used this so this is a 2 minute this is a 2 minute change your life game okay. that i'm going to play with you and the listeners or viewers of this segment now are about to have a greater sense of accountability to intentional communication. Once you watch this, you can't unwatch it. Once you listen, (laughs) you can't unhear it. So this is like the matrix red pill, blue pill moment. So if you're not interested in being a better communicator for the rest of your life, who also with great power knows that there is great responsibility, you should probably stop listening.
0: I feel nervous. You're ready
1: to change. (laughs) Yeah, you should, because everything's about to get better. And we're always nervous like when things are about to become more powerful in our lives. Mm. So here's the game. Pick any piece of writing that's by you or say any sentence, something short. Some of the sentences that have been used recently are, I had pizza for dinner last night. Um, These tortillas are soggy. I don't know why they're always around food, but it could be anything. Some short sentence that I can memorize. You are the playwright giving me a line.
0: Uh, Just something that I've said before or recently or... Um, hold the ladder for others to climb up.
1: Hold the ladder for others to climb up. Perfect. So, I'm going to just memorize this right now. Hold the ladder for others to climb up. This is the actress learning her line. Hold the ladder for others to climb up. 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 To climb up. And Now, I got it. That's all it takes for me. Hold the, ladders for, hold the ladder for others to climb up. <laughs> and now, let's recognize something if I'm going to communicate something to you, it goes here from my head towards yours and lands there. It takes an action. It goes in motion. It goes from me kinetically to you and has an impact there. Whether I decide what that impact is going to be or not, it has one. So if I don't decide this is how I'm going to make someone feel, the result is that sometimes like that, that woman felt that that other person hated them when that wasn't the case at all so apparently that other person's communication you know had had an impact she just hadn't intended what it was going to be so instead of saying you know it was never my intention to make you feel that i hated you she would have to answer the question what did you intend What did you intend for me to feel as you Mm. were communicating with me? That's the accountability. If you can't answer that question, you haven't communicated intentionally yet. Mm. So verb your values is the name of this exercise. Values come from your heart. They are unshakable. These are the places where we are always the most true to ourselves and what's important to us. So my values in terms of what I want that action to be, what I want that impact to feel like, are to affirm, to connect, and to empower. So I decide to do that with my communication. If it's the sentence, hold the ladder for others to climb up, and I'm going to affirm. You know, I just heard this from you. So to affirm, oh, hold the ladder for others to climb up. I'm just affirming that that was a good idea. Hold the ladder for others to climb up. And if it's to connect, oh, thinking about this idea and settling into it, to connect. Hold the ladder for others to climb up. And if I go into to empower, which is that verb for me, hold the ladder for others to climb up. (laughs) I'm empowering you. And if I wanted to change those verbs to something that wasn't mine, but just to illustrate, the opposite might be um, to intimidate or to diminish. Hmm. So hold the ladder for others to climb up. Right. Um, And to dismiss. Uh, Hold the ladder for others to climb up. And you could do something like to excite or to energize,
0: mm-hmm.
1: hold the ladder for others. to <laughs> And you just have to decide what your verbs are, the ones yeah. that are true to your heart. And right. then whenever you communicate with somebody, it's the simplest adjustment you can make. What are my verbs to affirm, to connect, to empower, and then talk to that person. Mm-hmm. Just being cognizant of it helps you to be more intentional in the way that you connect to others.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, it helps people give grace to one another too, when there's friction, because if, if, so in the case of this person of, oh, you don't hate me, uh, she was very relationship oriented and the other person was very much uh, mission oriented and both are important, both are, are necessary for the business, but the person who was mission oriented would come across as very frank and direct because in her Mm -hmm. mind it was, we got to get this done. It's so important. Like our impact is so valuable. We got to move with urgency. And so when, when one another knows how the other person's thinking and what causes them to tick Mm -hmm. and what their value structure is, it helps us to sort of self diffuse the offense or the potential for frustration because, and the same thing's true in our relationships. You when know we know where it's we, coming from. Exactly. We and we do this in our friendships, we do this in our romantic relationships. Uh, and when we don't do it, then there's offense there or there's there's misalignment or there's mm-hmm. frustration. And ultimately you get you get an organization or a relationship that's that's not it's not completing what it's set out to do. There's too right. much white noise around what they intended to. Um, so I think, I think there's merit in what you're saying of really being able to verb your values and understand. And of course, it, it all falls back again on self-awareness, though. It's, do yeah. I really know what it is that, that you know, to quote Marie Kondo, what brings me joy? What, yeah. what brings some excitement out of me that I can really attach to and say, yeah, I'm passionate about that?
1: You're always going to be your best communicator when you're talking about something that you're passionate about. Right. People ask me for speaking coaching, you know, because I do a lot of speaking engagements now and they ask me for, for tips, you know, what did you do on stage when you were acting full time? What do you do now? Like as a speaker, I, I kind of want to talk about this thing, but I don't know. Like, I guess I could get paid as a speaker to talk about engineering stuff because I've been doing it for so long. But I hear their voice and I say, you know, you don't really sound that excited about talking about that. How can you expect to connect to somebody else if you don't seem excited about it yourself? And then they, I ask them, you know, what do you really like? Like I asked you, what are you proud of? What I, when I ask you, what are you proud of? You had a very clear, immediate answer. And not everybody will. So I would suggest to people who don't have a clear answer to that to do some, just some self-reflection. What are the things that you really like would like to be recognized for. Like, okay, maybe it's, you really do well shopping. You know, you always can find a good deal or you always find the exact right gift for somebody else. If you do, you probably have individualization as one of your top five strengths. But those are things that you might find repeatable in other ways, in some kind of related parallel application. So that's a good exercise if you're looking for some more self-awareness to ask yourself, are you proud of? but you can also ask yourself what means the most to me mm. or what's the most fun you know if fun is one of your values and it's not for everybody it's one of mine and <laughs> it's one of Christians and I know it's one of yours if you want to have a good time you want to sure. connect in a way that feels natural right but it's really one of my primary values so if I'm not having fun I'll check out and mm. then I won't be my most authentic intentional communicating self
0: Mm-hmm. Well, and I think from, from a public speaking perspective, but I think this also applies for, especially on social media, it has to be okay for not everyone to resonate with you.
1: Oh yeah. And I, and I think your communication partner. Then.
0: Exactly. Exactly. And I love, I love how Kristen framed that. And it's, it's like, you know, the things that you're most passionate about, there's people in the room who absolutely can cling to that. Yeah. And I think what keeps people sometimes for from walking out that that calling of what they 're passionate about is they're thinking about you know you you resonated with out of a hundred you resonated with ninety of them, but there was ten who were totally checked out and they don 't approach life the same way as you do and mm-hmm. and you allowed the ten to now dictate your your next conversation or how you frame your your thinking moving forward yeah. and it's- i wasn
1: 't talking about theater, you know I was keeping it out because I was worried about e-commerce recruiters as like my primary communication partner. And the thing is that the more I was myself, maybe I did kind of scare off some recruiters who were looking for somebody who would be very stable and would want to come into a nine to five job every day. And maybe seeing who I really was showed them that I wasn't the right fit for them. And that is what I was afraid of. I was afraid that they would judge me that way. I was afraid that they would judge me that way, even if I knew that that wasn't the case, that I could shine there, that I could be in that role and be effective. Mm. But it really wasn't the most that I could be as a person. I was meant for a lot more. Mm. And what my communication partners showed me when they showed up, people who, when I started talking about theater, said, that's interesting. That's different. Tell me more about that. That thing that I'd been hiding that I'd been ashamed of and had felt was so weird was exactly what other people started telling me was the most valuable thing I had to say. And that's when I started looking more into it. And that's when I created Say Things Better. And now Say Things Better is an international movement of intentional communication. My communication partners, the real ones, the ones who told me that what I had to say was valuable, they made that happen with me.
0: Mm. Well, and it's, it's, you know you mentioned moving to Dallas to surround yourself with better people mm-hmm. so to speak and it, it's better for
1: me yeah,
0: yeah yeah that's right better for yeah <laughs> let's just dish on new york city for a second <laughs> no yeah better for you and and you know thinking about you had people in your corner who really spoke life into that they helped yes. you pull back the layer of hey this this thing about you it's it's sort of a uncovered gem or you're you're hiding it you're putting it under a basket and and if you could open up to this, it would really cause people to cling to you. And, and it's, it makes me think of just the value of having those people in your life who for for everybody, right? Because it's, it's just amazing how there's things that are so uniquely amazing about us. And yet we see them in such a mundane way, right? In such a normal way. When we take a lot
1: for granted, if it's, and for our own strengths, I think this, this also might help for people who, you know, we take our own strengths for granted because they feel easy and we associate value with something difficult. Oh, I've accomplished something because it was a challenge. You still accomplish something that is of value to someone else, even when it's easy for you. And maybe even especially when it's easy.
0: Hmm. Yeah, totally. So, so let's talk a little bit about say things better. What, what do you, what does it look like right now? I mean, what are you, what are you doing for organizations? I know you talked about the Mavericks. What, What's the day in the life of Lila?
1: <laughs> There's no one day that looks like any other day. But I I mean, I was up at 5.30 this morning talking with people in um, un- com- the very different time zone. I worked with somebody in Saudi Arabia to do personal brand coaching wow. a few days ago um, at like 5 a.m. I was also up the night before with her because she had a deadline for something, working on something at 11.30 p.m. my time, which was like morning her time. So like, I, there's no typical day in terms of scheduling, but I also was able to take time off to go and see my friend Chris Mack for her book launch in Tampa and go meet up with, uh, yeah, we got to go and meet up people who had never met in person before. So, uh, Chris Macchiarola, who wrote the book and Kellen Barfield and Char Auckland, who lives in Tampa too. And I, like we were all together in one place at the same time. Chris and Sherry, Chris Mack, Callum Barfield, Char-, Char Auckland, and myself in one room. And we all came together because we had connected, because we are each other's communication partners. We champion each other. We stand by each other. We come and celebrate each other. And that's just as much of a valuable part of what I do because it fuels me and mm. it keeps me grounded to why it's okay for me to take calls at 11.30 p.m., 5.30 a.m. on a Sunday, on a Saturday, whenever it is. Because if I can take four days off in the middle of the week to go and celebrate a friend or hold a baby that somebody has just had, I'm going to do that. That's important to me, that flexibility. Mm -hmm. The rest of my days, you know, I'm spending time doing coaching. I have a mastermind coming up in September. So developing some new materials for that. Even though I've done it before, uh, I'm developing some additional materials for the group, for the Say Things Better mastermind. For the Say Things Better alumni group, I'm doing one-on-one coaching both in UMAP and in Say Things Better, messaging and communication coaching. And I'm doing public speaking. I'm traveling all over the world. I'm always in some kind of an airport somewhere. And I'm probably sending emails from my phone from the airport gate because I just don't stop. Because mm-hmm. me- this means so much to me. Mm-hmm. And then when I go into organizations, I do workshops for them on how to connect their communication, how mm-hmm. to recognize their own unique voice and thought leadership around something that they're passionate about, how to talk about something in a way that's different, how to identify those, identif- those innovative ideas of their own, and then share them out with others. And I also help value, um, Verb Your Values workshops help you like value find in an organization, both for your employees, but also for your brands. Mm-hmm. I talk about brands like Gatorade being maybe, and I haven't worked with them yet, but maybe their values are to champion, to... Uh, quench and to empower uh, or to fuel would be a good one for them because Mm -hmm. I think their tagline is fueling the champion within. Mm. So like, I'll go and I'll work with a company like that and I'll say, okay, here's what that looks like. If we figure out your verbs, then you go and talk to your social media department and you say, from now on, all of our images and video and text has to be run by this very simple litmus test. Does this quench, does this fuel Does this challenge, you know, does it champion Mm -hmm. the champion within? So then identifying who their communication partners are for one campaign at a time. For Gatorade, that might look like fueling the champion within could be school teachers like yourself or entrepreneurs like me. I'm not running marathons. So an image of somebody sweating at the end of a track is not going to fuel me. It's going to make me go, nope, not the brand for me. And I'll move on to Powerade. Mm -hmm. But if I look at an image of somebody who's been up on her feet for 15 hours and she's still going, and I think that Gatorade wants to fuel and champion me, then they've got a fan in me for life. Mm -hmm. So I ask them to identify who their communication partners are, for which communication events, define their objectives, and keep their communication in line with the mission of their organization. So it's inside out communication, person to person and brand to audience.
0: And it's, it's also about, I mean, you're connecting the values with, it's the why of how we do business, meaning one of the, it gives me an ulcer thinking about, I walked, I was working, (laughs) I was working with a corporation and they had this values, they had this set of values on their wall. And I, Mm -hmm. I love values. I talk a lot about values. I teach a lot about values. And so in meeting them, I I see these values on the wall and I say, oh my gosh, I love that y'all have your values right here for everyone to see. And the person turns to me and she says, Oh, those? Oh, we just paid some marketing company to come in and come up with those and throw them on the wall. And there was this massive disconnect where wow. they, they didn't understand that the whole point of your values is you're creating, you're creating the why that that then scales out to all the decisions that yeah. you make. And you even said it yourself, you know, does this does this champion? Does this quench? Does this and so we're not making decisions just willy-nilly? It's it, it all comes out of this foundation of who we really are and the way we articulate yeah. that is through our values.
1: And it's so simple. It's yeah. just so simple. You know, you can't, there are, and I've seen them and I've helped create them these like 60 page brand voice documents that people who are in your organization have to learn or have to read or it's handed out to them and then they never read it and it goes in a drawer. Mm-hmm. But if you want to get your employees on day one to be able to articulate what your mission is, what motivates you and how that aligns with them and their own personal motivation, you will have employees who will stay because they'll feel aligned from day one.
0: And and the data tells us that when you look at the data for retention and why people, because here's what's crazy is you've heard the expression probably of, of people quit bosses. They, they don't, they don't quit companies. They quit bosses. The data actually, well, and here's what's crazy. If you go a step further, you'll find people who, even though they have bad bosses, they'll stay because they feel that much connected to the mission of the company. And they say things like,
1: like, you know, we can, we can feel out of alignment when we're not using our strengths and feel disengaged. But the things that ultimately make our decisions are the ones, especially in terms of our career, we define our success around our values and we define how happy we are on how actively pursuing those values we are. So if our boss is a bad boss for us, it probably just means that he or she is completely out of alignment with our personal values. If Mm -hmm. you value autonomy, for example, and your boss is a micromanager, that's not going to work. And eventually you're going to break. We break on values. We cannot Mm -hmm. bend there. Mm -hmm. We can bend on strengths until we're exhausted and burnt out, but it'll take longer. But we break on values. Mm -hmm. We feel... The most not ourselves when we feel a values encroachment.
0: You're so right. And it's even funny how flipping that, I remember there was a boss who I worked with who her employee was really frustrated because the employee valued, I don't know what we would call it, but basically it was like structure, routine, direction. Mm-hmm. And so the boss, she was so proud of herself for being so hands off, right? which is so countercultural to what we often complain about in business. Yeah. But it, it was that exact thing. She was out of alignment with what her employee valued and it had created this disconnect between the two of them.
1: Yeah. And if you look at the, like a whole, in that department, they could have a departmental culture within the organization. You know, maybe in like your innovation department or your marketing department, you want to have a lot of people working the way that they want to. And then there are other departments where you really need people to be able to be compliant. You know, you certainly don't want um, like a group of, of accountants who are not compliant <laughs> with the structure. Like You need to be able to know what to expect right. from them, and they need to be able to know what to expect from you. So making sure that you have a communication agreement around those things mm-hmm. can be one of those things that facilitates the activation of a culture. Mm-hmm. This is how we communicate here. Either that's going to be a good fit for you or it's not. And mm-hmm. that's where culture fit really means culture fit and not, you know what, we don't think you're a good culture fit, but really that's cold. That's code for you're too old or you're too young or you're a person of color or you're a woman, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So those are the things that define culture, what it feels like to work there because of how you communicate your values.
0: Mm-hmm. That's powerful. I love that. Okay. Well, as we wrap up today, and that conversation went, went by so fast, uh, how can people reach out to you? How do you want people to connect with you? Uh, what's what's the best way for that?
1: You can find me on LinkedIn. Just look up Lila Smith or Say Things Better. And you can go to Saythingsbetter.com. You can also contact me through that website, through Saythingsbetter.com. If you want to work with me, email me directly at Lila at saythingsbetter.com. It's L-I-L-A at Saythingsbetter.com. If you're not sure yet, then follow me on social media, see what I have to say, follow my comments and engagements follow along for like where I'm going in the world catch videos or podcasts like this one. And you can find those on my profile on LinkedIn. You can also find me on Instagram at Lila Lasagna, and you can find me there as say things better as well.
0: Well, for our listeners, as you know, I don't have anyone on the show who I don't have the utmost trust and respect for, and so absolutely, if you are on the fence, I'm going to push you over it. You need to contact Lila. Uh, absolutely worth every single penny. Uh, Lila, thanks for thanks so much for coming on the show, and for Thank our. You. And for our listeners, uh, let me know what you thought. You can email me, Blake, at goodadvicecoaching.com or leave a comment on the podcast. Thanks for listening, and I will catch you later sometime. I don't know when the next one will be, but we'll catch you then. I'll see you.